Mm. So there is a way out of suffering. Uh, Jitta can turn intelligence, your heart, your inclinations, your sense of center, what you sense yourself as being. Mm. In these terms you can use for jitta, heart, awareness, intelligence. It's not conceptual intelligence, it's uh, It's like body intelligence, it's like emotional intelligence, it feels and it shifts. Mm. And shifting is always going to be towards something which you find is more agreeable, either more stable, more pleasure, more solid. It's always going to be doing that. Problem is, it gets it wrong, it gets affected. Uh, Infected with this ignorance, dazzled by the sense bases, bewildered by thought, uh, tangled in karma, results, history, actions, pains, impulses, compulsions, like barbed wire, struggling against it, tangled in it, fighting with it. And what you probably know or should remember when you get into a thicket, barbed wire, brambles, first thing to do is just pause, relax, loosen up. Loosen up and just step back a little. You keep pulling and fighting, you're going to get more deeply embedded in it. That's the way they are. It's often not in fear, but skillfully. How is this? Mm. So there's the natural inclination of the jitta to not suffer. There's a natural turn, but it doesn't quite know how that's to be affected. So there's some skills that have to be learned. Mm. So. There is the nature of the jitta, there is the turn towards virtue, towards goodwill. When we see those signs, something just picks up. The most profound turn is the turning away from suffering. It would seem so obvious. <laughs> Naturally, we want to do that. But the deep turn, the skillful turn, is no longer a struggle and a fight and a complaint and a wrangle and a tangle and a push, it's a kind of different quality. Investigation and nature of what we're tangled in. It's ephemeral. The fact that in some sense, if you calm down within that, It's something that's not tangled in all this. A quiet center. How does this get fulfilled? And one thing to bear in mind is naturally suffering takes on a very personal flavor to it. 
because the brambles of history are very personal. Got my voice, my photograph album, my videos. <laughs> they did this, they didn't do that. <laughs> I did this and I messed up there. You know, it's also very personal. Then you step back and recognize, hey, you know, this great movie star has just killed themselves. She was so glamorous and popular and wealthy and famous. What happened to her? And this brilliant scientist, you know, he's insomniac. He's dysfunctional. What happened to him? Yeah. Yeah. This amazing, you know, writer. And she was a drunk. What happened to her? You know, it's, hey, everybody's got it. <laughs> everybody's got the, the bug, the, the dukkha bug. Everybody's in the thicket. So it seems very personal, but actually, one of the pieces that help us to disengage is don't take all this so personally. And you kind of look into the qualities of tension qualities of agitation, qualities of compulsive, addictive tendencies, qualities of uh, the energy of it, the feverish, compulsive quality of it. Relax some of that, some of it. So, this is why uh, it's turning, and how does that get relaxed? You come from the personal world, if you like, to the double world. It's the same picture, but re- resetting into there is fear, there is anxiety, there is pain, there is struggle, there is loss. There is hurt, there is confusion, there is doubt. Qualities that everybody has to meet. And where are these? How do we belong to them? How do we get so configured in all that? Believing in it, adding to it, even trying to remedy it. How many of your thoughts are about trying to correct the last thought you had? (laughs) How many days are spent getting over yesterday? (laughs) What I should have said and done and what they didn't. How many did that? Pause. You feel the clamour, the bustling, the frenzy. This is life is still come. Got it? Nothing going wrong. <laughs> and just relax in that. You know, you know. And what is it that can relax? Well, what we know without too much 
belief or information is your body can relax. You know, you can lift a weight, put it down and relax. You can run, sit down, relax. Your body can, knows how to do it very well. Does your thinking mind know how to do that? Uh, no. Not really. It just adds more thoughts about should relax. And it's time to relax. And why can't I relax? And... <laughs> oh, another thing I've got to do. It doesn't seem to know that that very well. Because it, it's... Its energy is caught up, it is very much bound in non-ease. So this path of ease, path opens with some turning towards an ease that can be felt in the body, but it's not really of the body. It's when the mind or the heart, the jitta, turns into the body, feels the energy and soften, let go of its aims and intentions because it's some, something else to hold on to. Sense of being here, presence. Take a few breaths. It kind of happens, and it's comfortable, it's pleasant, ease, sukha. This is often translated as pleasure, but I prefer to use the word ease because it gives you perhaps the right idea of the kind of pleasure. It's not exciting pleasure, it's not stimulation. In fact, it's strange enough, it's the opposite. And the light heart feels light, relieved of the agitation, relieved of the fever, ease, and turning towards that rather than excitement, stimulation. And it's something that can be done effectively in the here and now, in your own embodied condition. You don't need to pay for it. Don't need to get a new one. Uh, they do it. It's part of the kit. Don't update it. It's always relevant. Doing it. Fifth century BC India. Same system. And so the significance of that naturally, because the chitta does seek pleasure, and this is like a kind of a, a bit of an invitation which it will pick up, non-conceptual. It's also much more stable. If you stay with it, then it gives strength, it actually strengthens. Whereas pleasures that come from the senses and we can see, <laughs> you know, as an example of people who have a lot of money and access to sense pleasures, sometimes end up being addicted and depressed. Well, they just wash over the chitta. Or they're, they're like a flame that brushes over it, warms it up. 
it just rushes over the surface, it doesn't go in. Because the jitta doesn't actually belong to the sense world at all. It's not in it. So you get this kind of rush, rushes through, washes over, and then at the end of it it's just more. But uh, we come to this um, somatic domain, the inner body, the energies of the body, the inner warmth of the body, the presence of the body. And jitta is, can take that in. And it's healthy food. Because it um, doesn't just feed, but it lingers and strengthens. And by that strengthening, it begins to build up, nourish the depleted jitta, heal the burnt or the scarred jitta, turn the jitta away from its addictions and habits. Uh, And uh, the Buddha says, standing on this, standing on this with insight, one can make an end to suffering. Standing on this, one can realize the destruction of those outflows, those compulsive rushes towards becoming something, sense pleasures, more ignorance, wrong views. Standing on this. Because now you have something to stand on. It's not a final liberation, but it's a good place to get your feet on the ground, if you like, and look around clearly, rather than constantly having to disentangle yourself from barbed wire and bombshells and pits and bogs and wild animals. <laughs> the jungle of the heart. And you get some break, you take a break, ease. It takes some work, but you know it's the work, it takes work to stand still. Yeah. And you notice, uh, we do standing meditation, if you do standing meditation, Shouldn't be that difficult. But then, stand up. What's the point of this? Don't see much point in this. And then shift around a bit and then feel very balanced and then fidget a bit. What I'm supposed to do, (laughs) focus on. You want to get on with something. But uh, if you do standing meditation, you're in sitting meditation, it's really like just standing with your legs folded. You've got a base, you've got a form, spread your awareness over the whole form, and into the space around, stay with that. And you feel the agitations, the can't be bothered, the same thing else, and you just begin to stand and not engage with those, and those currents, those pushes begin to ebb 
because you're not feeding them and strengthening. You see some of these, um, you see videos of these uh, uh, Qigong masters, you get some like 75 year old little Chinese lady, looks like she's made out of a couple of pieces of bent wire, <laughs> standing there. This huge, great, hulking six foot guy rushes up, tries to knock her over, she doesn't move. He pushes, she doesn't move. She's not even sweating, just standing there. Yeah. What's she doing? Just standing. But standing probably for 20 years, on and off, you know. What's happened? While she was standing, you know, she begins, first of all, really connecting to the ground a long time. And then beginning to sense the place in the belly which is tight, relaxing that. Then feeling the pressure in the shoulders and shifting the spine and relaxing that. And releasing the head, the tongue, the eyes, relaxing that. And then just softening the knees a little. And so on and so on and so on. Just finding the places where the tightening, the restrictions, the agitations are, spreading awareness over it, releasing it. Mm. Strength builds up by itself. But it takes work. The work is to stand or to sit. But to stand or sit with the entire body. So the energy of the body is no longer compressed, agitated, unbalanced, and it begins to settle itself. It gets very solid. The heart, chitta, picks it up, gets very solid in a good way. And this is something that the chitta inclines towards. The untrained mind tries to get solid by having a solid set of opinions. Just gets hard, brittle, argumentative. Untrained mind tries to get solid by having a solid possessions and territory. Just gets anxious, greedy, possessive. <laughs> Trained mind gives up possessions, gives up opinions, sets in itself, and it acquires a kind of form that you can sense. So you can assign a nimitta, a mark. I mean, you can, oh yeah. So, and, uh, you know, this term like nimitta has got all kinds of jargon associations with it, but it's, it can mean anything like a hint, a cue, a clue, a sign, a characteristic, a defining mark. It's nothing that supernormal. I say greed is in the middle. You can feel the flaring up. Hatred is in the middle. You can feel the passion of that. 
And what happens in those instances? Generally, we don't really notice what's happening to the jitta because we're so into the object of our aversion or passion. But it's basically, it shatters into all kinds of fragments and flarings and surges and currents. And the untrained mind has probably never known the jitta that's solid and collected. So it's just looking for the right kind of flaring and shattering. (laughs) Passion, romance, excitement. Music, dancing. The right kind of flaring and shattering. (laughs) Because it's never actually known or collected. But we use terms like narrow-minded. That's a form, isn't it? You know what that feels like. Tight, sharp. Uh, Open-hearted, you know what that feels like. Really grounded, you know what that feels like. Wavering. These are very, these terms we use indicate that somehow we know, something just knows the form, the shape of our mind, our jitta. Of course, it's not a physical shape. It's a felt shape. My mind feels really tight. I know that form, which we can't see, but sense, then formations occur, sankharas. So when you mind is tight, what occurs is volitional tendencies based upon tightness, urgency, defence, we've got to make it, we have to be there, this is right, that's wrong. Tight mind produces tight sankharas. <laughs> and tight sankharas feedback, tighten the mind up a bit more. <laughs> Bristling. Yeah. Sinking. So we end up in this involuntary feedback loop where the volitional tendencies, the impulses that run out, are feeding back into the jitta and just like someone struggling in a net, getting more and more tangled in it and still believing that the, the way to get out of it is to struggle more. That's what it does. That's the stupidity that we have to clear, the ignorance. It's often counter-logical. When there's so much to do, so much to do, it's time to do nothing. That's counter-logical, spot-on teaching. When your mind's in that frazzle, God make you have living in it, it's time to just cut engines, 
<laughs> Time to stand still. And uh, there's a pleasure and a solidity that solidification occurs around that. That's necessary before we can really do some more work, the subtler work. Work of liberation, complete liberation. Now this is the logic of samadhi, the eighth step. Solidifying, comforting, strengthening. But also uh, it changes the shape of your citta. Citta becomes very broad, very grounded, very stable. No hard edges, no rough places doesn't easily get knocked over, can handle the, you know, what happens, because it's establishing itself, doesn't need a lot. It also changes the world. world is established on consciousness uh, what consciousness brings in sights, sounds, thoughts memories, impressions which we take as being the world the one and only and the Buddha said no it is one and he said there are I think seven seven stations of consciousness and this is like ground floor if your mind gets collected what happens is that your citta is now resonating a slightly different set of references to subtler qualities consciousness that arises from that Experiences things rather differently. Senses space. Mm. Senses warmth. Senses radiances. Mm. Goes on, you know. And so there's a whole sequence of these particular stations whereby what you're met with is of a different nature and yeah you know you can probably recognize even in a average meditation you can dip into the hungry ghost realm endless deprivation and 
hunger. We can lift a little bit into something more Deva-like, angelic, well-wishing. But these are the fluctuations that can occur. Jitta is established, stable, it sets in a very easeful place. You're not getting the kind of input that constantly tangles you up. Body changes most immediately. Notice that the sensory body, Buddha definitely encouraged pushing ourselves away, actually away from that. Body is defined by sight, touch. Yeah, anatomical body. This one is very captivating. Uh, Very much sensed as the norm, the fundamental building brick. The norm, that's who he is, that's who she is, that's so on. So he put down some pretty firm resistances to that. Contemplate it. Bound to death, decay, degeneration, impure, bleeding, suppurating, oozing, so on. But there's this also. You dip into the uh, inner body, you find certain properties such earth, firmness, it's not that far, sense of solidity, sense of warmth, caloricity, something moving, air element, something fluid, cohesive, water element, simple elemental properties, they're not that far away. Okay, then just stay with that, relinquish the rest of it. The hair, teeth, colour of the eyes, skin, don't bother with it. Shape, forget it. Just dwell upon this. It's not that far away. And you notice as you dwell upon it, it sometimes feels like it's too rigid, it's too unbalanced. Now, you're spreading your awareness over that, that whole thing, evening your awareness out, levelling your attention with breathing, so it's a long, smooth breathing, you'll find those elements will begin to harmonise, balance, get very comfortable. You learn a few things. One is that the nature of your mind, your jitta, your awareness can affect form. Something that seems so physical, so (laughs) changeable, but changeable over the years, but you can change it in within a half an hour, maybe an hour. So depending. 
you can change your form, your felt form, into something much more happy, easeful, and less affected by all these influences of appearance and physical contact and you know so well, this is for your welfare go this way take some work but you do it mm. skillful mm. then based upon this chitta lifts up it's getting the right kind of energy from that body. Coarse body energy is coarse. This is the right kind of energy. Jitta feels lifted. And so you get this interplay between the two. Breathing in, breathing out acts as the the mediator, the moderator, just keeps running through, scanning, sensing, feeling, connecting, and it begins to bring things into harmony. If you let it do it. And where there's a kind of, uh, you know, the caveat, the warning about effort and work, it takes work to do this, but it's like the work of standing still when you want to fidget. When you want to just sink down. Yeah. Because it's important to recognize that because if you yeah, I think your work is about pushing and getting to somewhere else, getting it, making it happen, and doesn't do it. Wrong kind of work, wrong kind of approach. It's rather like someone who's, you know, big guy, maybe, you know, a metre wide, two metres tall, trying to get into kind of the house, front door's locked, so he just bashes on the front door. A lot of work to try and get in. But the door is too small. He's bashing and bashing, trying to get in. Saying, "Why don't you lose some weight? Sneak round the back. The window's open." <laughs> Takes some work to lose weight. To get lighter. Definitely takes work, determination. But it's a shucking off. Lightly get light, nimble. Sneak round the back and get in the house through the open window. Mm. So this kind of butch push attitude 
don't trust it. Trained person gets lean, nimble. You know, we talk about the path of the jungle, the you know, untrained mind. Okay, where's the path? Where's the lights? Where's the signposts? And they go, you must be crazy. This is a jungle. <laughs> where's the straight line? Where's the map? This is a jungle, no map, no straight line. Where's the path? Well, the path is where your foot is. Lift it carefully, use your wits, place it there in the right place, there's the path. The path is where your foot is. If you hold it carefully, place it wisely, there's the path. Get your view right. Get your mindfulness right. The right kind of effort. Centering. Where can you put it down where you feel collected and calm? There's your path. And that's the way through the jungle. You just blunder in, crashing and hacking, go straight into the brambles, get tangled up. So it's nimbleness. Ease and nimbleness, flexibility, inquiry. Where am I getting tight? Where am I getting sinking down in despair, where am I flailing, where am I giving in, well, that's not it, it's that, you know, get yourself together where you are, relax into that, path comes to you, this is the kind of skillful work, work of faith, Work based upon faith and initiative, intelligence. And the results are first results are you? You got some sense of, um, yeah, a little bit stronger, a little bit less tangled. Gradually the ease comes through and knowing what you have to deal with. Now most of us, I imagine, a lot of thinking, thinking minds. It's our life is very much thinking. We can try to stop thinking, get annoyed by our thinking, get embarrassed by our thinking, get fed up with our thinking. Mm-hmm. Trying to suppress it, stop it. Best thing is just to not get interested in it. <laughs> just let it be there, like rain on the window. Rain's pattering on the window. Uh-huh. Turn to your book, turn to your shrine. Rain's just pattering on the window, just turn away. What's happening over here? Oh, there's. Oh. Engage with your body, with your breathing. Mm. Don't worry about the other idiots in the room, <laughs> in the room of your head, talking about. <laughs> Let them sort themselves out. They'll quieten down. Do yeah. your work. Get on with your business. This is the, uh, the skill.
So let's take some time for direct practice. <laughs> 